WBSM presents Spooky South Coast with your hosts, Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa. Good evening and welcome to a special Sunday night edition of Spooky South Coast. Good thing you didn't have my mic on yet, Matt, because I said the wrong day. Because normally we're here Saturday nights to talk with you about the paranormal and tonight we have a special Sunday night program because of the NFL playoffs. So uh, we're going to be on with you for about an hour here tonight, uh, a chance to give a new audience a little taste of what our show is all about. And you couldn't have picked a, a better night to tune in for the first time because we're going to be talking in just a moment with Steve Bassett of the Paradigm Research Group, and he's going to talk to us about UFO disclosure. Now, if you're not a follower of our program and you're not familiar with the idea of disclosure, uh, basically the government knows a whole lot about UFOs, a whole lot more than they're willing to admit. And Steve Bassett is one of the many people that work to try to get them to release the documents and the information that they have and to acknowledge that there are visitations happening from somewhere else. And so we're going to talk with him about the... The year in exopolitics, 2009, uh, how much strides were made in getting disclosure and, and getting this information out there. And then we're also going to talk about his million facts on Washington, which is entering phase three. And this, I think, is one of the, the strongest uh, movements that I've ever heard of, of trying to get this information out there in the public. And, and the fact that so many people have responded just shows that the American public is waiting for this. So... Why don't we get right into the discussion with Steve? And if you want to call in at any point during the program and join in, the numbers to do so are 508-996-0500, or you can call toll-free toll 1-877-996-1420. And during the course of the discussion, if you want to find anything more about Steve, the Paradigm Research Group, or Spooky South Coast, you can just go to our website, SpookySouthCoast.com. You'll find uh, all of our past shows up there as well for you to check out, going all the way back to... Now, we're going to be celebrating our fourth anniversary next week. So we have four full years of programs up there for you to check out, and that includes all of Steve's prior appearances on the show when we discuss this topic as well. So check it out if you've never been there before. Steve Bassett is a leading advocate for ending the 62-year government-imposed truth embargo regarding an extraterrestrial presence engaging the human race. He is a political activist, commentator, and columnist. He's the executive director of the Paradigm Research Group and the Political Action Committee, XPPAC, creator of the Paradigm Clock, and executive producer of the X Conference. And his work has been extensively covered by the media, and especially including this program. Steve, how are you tonight? It's great to be with you fellas again. Happy New Year to you. A new year, hopefully better than the last year. <laughs> well, we are coming up on the one-year uh one-year anniversary of the beginning of the Obama administration, and we had talked uh, when he was coming into office about whether or not he could be the disclosure president. How's that looking right about now? Well, well first of all, for any new listeners you have, mm-hmm. including NFL watchers who are dropping in now to uh, maybe for the first time, you never know, Sunday night, new time, new show. Uh, disclosure with a small b is the process of uh, information coming forward from the government regarding the extraterrestrial issue, extraterrestrial presence issue, 
Disclosure with a capital D is the is when the government actually formally acknowledges the ET presence, mm-hmm. meaning yeah, they're here, they're real, um, and that is the primary goal of the activist movement, which is frequently called the disclosure movement. All of this activity comes under the larger heading of exopolitics, right? Uh, and the uh, uh, the the government's program of um, withholding or, con- or containing the UFO ET issue since the late 1940s, early 1950s, we refer to as the truth embargo. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a cover-up, it was legal uh, under the National Security Act and also for national security reasons uh, due to the Cold War, et cetera, et cetera. So with that as a quick background, um, it was uh, – we've talked, we've talked before about the possibility that Barack Obama would be the disclosure president which is to say the president who is on board when the acknowledgement of the ET presence takes place in the United States. If another country does it, well, then that country's leader will be the disclosure leader, and our country will be, uh, well, take a back seat. All right. Um, the upshot is that uh, when the Cold War ended, uh, the potential for disclosure was immediate. That was the principal barrier to ending this matter, at least getting it out in the open. Uh, that nuclear war threat was a pretty big deal, would have destroyed most of civilizations, we all remember. So it wasn't going to happen until then, and the whole war ended in the late 1991. Then it was a question of, well, okay, when can we get this done? The first president on board, George H.W. Bush, would have probably been acceptable as a disclosure president to the military intelligence world. But it was early. I mean, it would just happen. The Cold War was just over, and they needed time to make a decision. Plus, you had uh, a war in Kuwait uh, that interrupted things. And so nothing really could have happened until his second term. But alas, he lost the election to Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton was not acceptable to the military intelligence world uh, as a disclosure president or pretty much as anything else. Uh, he was very disliked, rightly or wrongly. And so disclosure was not didn't happen during his eight years. The next president was George W. Bush. George W. Bush was not acceptable to the military intelligence community to be disclosure president. This might surprise some people, but some it will not. He that he was a major problem for them from the get go. And uh, as the Iraq War developed, it got worse and worse and worse. Uh, and I would say the breach between the military intelligence world, meaning the, the across the board, their managers, directors, um, was probably one of the greatest in history, if not the greatest in history, between them and the sitting president George W. Bush. So he wasn't going to be the disclosure president, and that 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 accounted for almost 18 years. And during those 18 years, a whole political movement built up around ending this matter politically, or at least resolving the key issue politically, uh, and changing the gov- U.S. government's policy. Since 2001, uh, since 2000, rather, that that process has really heated up, though the media hasn't fully reflected that. And one of the principal um, uh, changes since 2000 was essentially nine years after the Cold War ended, our allies and other nations who weren't necessarily our allies in World War II began to clearly lose patience with our failure to disclose the ET reality. And they started to break ranks with the United States, thus putting even more pressure on the U.S. to do something. And it is, to me, rather remarkable that something hasn't happened by now. But 
with the new president coming in, or with the election in 2008, that all changed. Uh, there were three candidates in the running near the end, uh, Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, and John McCain. All three of them, uh, I felt, uh, were acceptable as disclosure president, which meant that the, the window was opened. And a big push then went on, developed to, to help make sure that happened. Uh, a great deal of effort was made to expand the interest in exopolitics worldwide. That, that happened during 2008. The Exopolitics World Network, exopoliticsworld.net, uh, has now grown to 23 countries, and we're going to add some more soon. And then uh, 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 the, um, the, the the issue was was entered into the political election, the, the, le- the election campaign, um, and that was one of the things we needed to accomplish. So with that in mind, we enter, we have the election in uh, November the 4th, and uh, we start the real push. Uh, we go into next gear and launch the facts on Washington.org, which was designed to send the message to the president, just like Carter was sent the message when he was elected in, in 1976, got ten, that, that many thousands of letters calling for him to you know, look into the UFO issue, maybe release UFO files, this kind of thing. So we launched the facts on Washington, and we sent a bunch of letters into the uh, White uh, with the transition headquarters mm-hmm. between November five and January uh, twenty. Then we shifted all those letters into the White House on January twenty one to May thirty one. All of these letters were generally calling for disclosure, heat here, congressional hearings, full briefing for the president, amnesty for witnesses, and we also wanted them to bring the technology out that they've been sitting on for and working on for a long time. And. Um, uh, the game was to get this thing done before uh, in early in 2009. Uh, didn't happen. So on June the 1st, factsonwashington.org shifted the focus once and for all to the final phase, the weak link in the chain, we believe, and that is the political press corps in Washington, D.C., specifically the White House press corps, represented by their association, the White House Correspondents Association. And since June 1, thousands of letters, faxes, and emails have been pouring into the White House Correspondents Association, Based on the information at, at factsonwashington.org. And the message in all this, this correspondence has been uh, it's time for the political press in Washington to finally grow a spine. Stop worrying about their paychecks, their jobs, their second homes, their Mercedes Benzes, and whatever, and start asking the administration the tough political questions about this issue and, and, and settle for nothing less than appropriate answers. In other words, be, do their jobs, be the fourth estate, represent us, and uh, things will work out. And those letters have been pouring in since then. All right. Now, that's been going on since June the 1st. Disclosure has not happened. The White House has not acknowledged receiving any of the correspondence. The White House Correspondence Association has not acknowledged receiving any correspondence as well. And so we're sort of in this, uh, we're sort of in a bit of a standoff right now. Now, with that in mind, Disclosure didn't happen in 2009, and that was the biggest story in 2009 regarding, uh, the, uh, regarding exopolitics. Uh, and to make it a real short answer, the reason it didn't ha- the principal reason it didn't happen in 2009 is that the the Republicans, having lost this election, knowing they were going to lose the election, it was pretty clear, played some major hardball. In my view, they uh, took the specific measures to trigger the financial collapse, get it underway, get it going, start the bailout process, start shoving money billions and billions of dollars towards Wall Street, towards the uh, their financial uh, buddies, and in many cases, strong backers, and set the nation virtually on a course that couldn't be turned, and that when Obama came, Obama came in, he's, he's already in the middle of a financial crisis, the bailout's underway, 
and uh, they made the decision they couldn't change course, and so they went along with it. So essentially, they triggered a massive financial drain of the Treasury, ter- put the com- country into turmoil. The crisis itself caused millions of people to lose their homes, their jobs, their pensions, their health care. Uh, and the entire Democratic agenda, and they had one, was, was knocked off the table. Uh, and the administration has been essentially in turmoil. They compounded the, uh, the problem by, by making the mistake of going for health care legislation too soon, mm-hmm. thus launching a major political firestorm, a major partisan storm, one of the worst we've ever seen. Uh, and the year is, was blown away. Uh, and that is the short answer to why disclosure, which should have and could have happened in 2009, did not take place. And that, of course, brings us to, to the present. And unfortunately, it looks like a lot of those same factors might cause it from not being revealed in 2010 either. They are a factor. However, there are two, two uh, reasons why 2010 could be the year. First, most of the, uh, the problems and the mess of the first year of the administration has now been discounted. Everybody knows there's a financial crisis. Mm-hmm. A good deal of the worst damage is done, though it's not over, and it may still get worse. Uh, everybody knows the Iraq war and Iraq- Afghanistan war is still going on. Everyone knows that Obama has decided to do a surge in Afghanistan. Uh, the partisan health care debate is about, about as ugly as it can get, and now it'll just simmer, and, and who knows where it'll go. And so, overall, uh, right now, there's no uh, shocks on the horizon in terms of the Obama administration's uh, agenda or uh, uh, it would impede, uh, perhaps, them taking a dramatic move. So in that sense, 2010 is uh, more favorable. However, the other reason is that 2009, while the Obama administration didn't act, 2009 was a very active year exopolitically. Stuff was happening all over the place, um, uh, more than we could ever cover in in many hours of show. But very quickly... um, on February the 15th at, at the uh, American Association for the Advancement of Scientists, a presentation was made in which the, 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 uh, uh, the astronomical world now estimates, based upon re, you know, recent discoveries in exo, exosolar research, that uh, the number of Earth-like planets in the galaxy could easily be, not the number of planets now, meaning Jupiters and Plutos and Nips. No, the number of Earth-like planets in the galaxy could easily be in the many billions. End of rare Earth thinking. End of we're the, we're, we're the only life in the universe. I mean, we, we just put the final nail in that, that issue. Sure. So clearly we're not alone in the universe. This year fell over the place. Okay, fine. So that, that was significant. But it, it was, in a sense, the scientific world, like many other institutions, getting on the right side of this issue, getting positioned, as it were. Not surprised. NASA and some of the space uh, organizations, same thing. Every month or so, another uh, report about water on Mars, water on the moon, maybe life on Mars, uh, water in the ju- moons of Jupiter, on and on and on. just went on. This, this is basically NASA trying to get position, knowing that it wants to look as good as possible with disclosure of pending, uh, without, of course, taking the rabbit actually out of the hat. So that was very notable. There was a lot of that. Uh, and then... Uh, the process of nations re- uh, unloading their files, dumping their UFO files out to the Internet so they can be downloaded and looked at all over the world, continued. It started in 2004 with France. Uh, 
other nations followed, started cooperating with UFO researchers, Mexico, Brazil. The U.K. started releasing files in uh, 2006. Then uh, uh, Canada followed, Australia followed. Then Denmark initiated the uh, file release in January. UK dumped more files in March. Then Sweden uh, in May issued the law, released the largest batch of files to date, 60,000 UFO files. And then of the important, very great importance, Russia jumped into the game on July 21st of last year. And this is uh, when, when it was announced that the Russian Navy had indicated it was going to start declassifying its underwater files regarding unidentified objects. This is a very significant thing. The Russian Navy, which is composed of many nuclear submarines with extremely high-tech, high sophisticated equipment, is going to be declassifying files regarding objects it has been tracking in the oceans at 200 miles an hour, traveling at 20,000 feet, uh, 20,000 feet below the surface of the water, uh, trailing their submarines and then flying off out of the water, uh, entering the water. This is significant stuff. Uh, there have been other reports like this. Uh, UFO saucers have been seen entering and exiting the water, but this is the first time a Navy has agreed to declassify such sightings and reports. This would have done, been done with Vladimir Putin's approval and the government's approval. It is a clear message to the U.S. that Russia is certainly in the game, and Russia may very well be a disclosure nation. Um, the growth in exopolitics in Europe expanded dramatically. I made a 40-day tour there, went to many countries. Uh, the interest in exopolitics is growing even faster than here. On April 20th, Edgar Mitchell at the National Press Club went before the uh, CNN cameras and a lot of media and called on the Obama administration to end the truth embargo and disclose the ET presence, it's something he'd never done before in the 10 years he'd been addressing the issue. We had major sightings in China, including a very significant event on July 22nd, virtually the same time the Russian document release announcement was made. Uh, an eclipse traversed China and was seen by millions of Chinese, and UFOs were there when the sun was occluded. This didn't create the kind of news that, uh, let's say, that would happen in Mexico when the same thing happened in 1991 in Mexico. But this is China, of course, a much more closed country. However, on the September the 7th, uh, a news release was made that the Chinese observatory, the National Observatory Purple Mountain, had filmed the UFO events with, uh, for 40 minutes, and they would be studying the uh, results. This was highly significant because, one, they would have been using extremely high-level cameras, and, two, the story was released. If, if the Chinese government didn't want that story out, it wouldn't have let it out. Mm -hmm. So basically, this was China saying, uh, we're, we're, we're a pretty important nation, too. We're fully aware of the ET presence. We've been studying UFOs. We let our people study UFOs. Maybe we'll be the disclosure nation. So that was September the 7th. Um, the Gary McKinnon story of the computer intruder in, in, in the U.K. was um, generating news the entire year. Um, the U.K. celebrities and sports stars are getting behind him. He has people, you know, uh, supporting him, marching in the streets. This is uh, the end of the five-year extradition attempt by the United States to bring him uh, to try for, in the United States, to be tried for um, uh, rummaging through some NASA computers and MOD computers looking for UFO stuff. It's an utterly absurd uh, process that, in my opinion, is only to try to discourage other people to go looking for UFO stuff. It's created a lot of bad press in the U.S. and the U.K., uh, and he may he is at the end of his appeals. Uh, so if Gary McKinnon is, in fact, extradited, which would be a colossal blunder on the part of the U.S. government, 
to the United States, it will be one of the big UFO news stories in 2010 and generate all kinds of media opportunities for UFO researchers and activists who will be all over the TV. It will be a major headache for the anti-disclosure forces within the government. Then the Vatican in 2009 really made its move. Uh, Not surprising, this was anticipated. For years, their former exorcist, uh, Corrado Balducci, in retirement, had been talking about the Catholic Church's comfortability now with the E.T. issue and the fact that E.T.s would be brothers and sisters under God, the fact that uh, they were certainly not demons, and he was criticized, and people uh, poo-pooed it because he was retired and an old fellow, and they figured the Vatican didn't have any interest. Totally wrong. No way he would have been saying those things without the Pope's blessing. Uh, He died a couple years ago, and so... If the critics were right, then they would have dropped wrong. In March of last year, uh, the head astronomer of the Vatican, the director of their observatory, Father, uh, observatory, Father Jose Gabriel Funes, gave an interview to the Vatican newspaper, L'Osservatore Romano, in March, in which he reiterated everything that Balducci had been saying, um, indicating the church is quite comfortable, um, that uh, ETs are our brothers and sisters under God. This was then covered again in the uh, Catholic News Agency in September, and then just to put the the icing on the cake uh, and make sure that the world got the message, uh, the Vatican held a astrobiology symposium at the Vatican in the first week of uh, uh, November, where scientists from around the world uh, came to uh, discuss the implications of extraterrestrials and what it would mean for the world and for religion. And notably, one of the people attending was Paul Davies. Uh, we'll get back to that in a minute. Uh, more documentaries poured out in 2009 on the various uh, cable networks, including the History Channel, which ran a very important new documentary by James Fox called uh, I Know What I Saw, mm-hmm. in which he reviews the press conference that he and Leslie Kane held at the National Press Club on November the 12th, 2007. It was a, a more of a Michael Moore-type documentary in which James made himself part of the documentary and narrated it. Very strong. It's been played several times. You'll be seeing a lot more of it, a lot of strong witness testimony in there, very personal. Um, and then um, uh, the U.K. made a very interesting move in the very end of the year in December in which it announced that it was closing down its UFO desk, the one that Nick Pope had run for a number of years that elevated him to national, international prominence. Um, and what was notable about this announcement that was made on their website without fanfare was that they used the standard uh, U.S. Uh, uh, nomenclature, namely that uh, since the phenomena didn't pose a threat, there was no need to keep the desk open, and that they wanted to save some money. Uh, what this was, because it was all ridiculous, of course, uh, and they haven't stopped studying UFOs. Trust me, they never, they always pay attention, and they're always looking for stuff. They, they were being inundated, though, by just enormous numbers of reports and sightings because they've been releasing documents for several years and it just got everybody hyped up, plus those releases that generated all kinds of news media in the U.K. So they were trying to take a little pressure off themselves. But more importantly, what they did was send a message to the U.S., look, we're your closest ally, we're on board with most of your policies, um, particularly uh, Gordon Brown. He's like Blair, Blair, Blair. he's, he's uh, our good friend and buddy. And uh, they were basically saying, look, uh, we're not going to disclose ahead of you. Don't worry about us. You might want to worry about Russia, France, uh, uh, so uh, Russia, France, China, but don't worry about us. 
but very notably in the same announcement, they also reconfirmed that they were going to continue to release more UFO files, which is what's been putting pressure on the U.S. So the message was, we're not going to disclose ahead of you, but would you please disclose, because we'd like to get on with civilization here. <laughs> so that was notable uh, and generated a lot of press as well. Uh, just recently, MUFON is undergoing, is un- well, in the process in 2009 of undergoing a transformation. Robert Bigelow, the aerospace multimillionaire in, in, uh, in Las Vegas, uh, put some money into MUFON and triggered some restructuring. Their international director, James Carrion, has stepped down. He's been replaced by Clifford Clift. Uh, MUFON is apparently going to make some changes. Hopefully they'll, they'll do what I've been asking them to do for nearly 10 years, which is to go political, add a political ad- advocacy component to their, to their operation, start building their membership based upon their willingness to help end this issue politically, in addition to conducting their science work. They have never done this. They don't want to do this. It is almost as if MUFON is deliberately wanting to stay relatively a minor player, even though it's the best-known organization in the world, right, and well, not in any way impact the I just uh, gotta, political process. Can I cut you off a little bit here, Steve? No, no, no we, you got it. We're I up just against managed. the news. When we come back on the other side, I want to talk to you a little bit more about Obama and about the possibilities for disclosure in 2010, because now you've definitely piqued my interest. We'll talk more about that. We'll also take your calls as well. Right after the news, we'll be back with the final half hour of the program, Spooky South Coast. Stay tuned. I can smell your fear. I'm not afraid. You will be. Welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Normally we say hour number two of Spooky South Coast, but we're only going to be going until about 9.30 tonight. I just wanted to give you a little taste of what our program is about each week as we air. Normally, Saturday nights from 10 to midnight. That's where we're going to be next week at this time. And then we'll be on Saturday nights pretty much until college basketball uh, messes around with our schedule a little bit coming up in March. But uh, definitely some great shows coming up on the horizon. Next week will actually be, uh, you know, it's our anniversary. It'll be our anniversary show, four years on the air, entering year five with a lot of great stuff planned. Uh, we're also, just to make you aware, we might be putting together a little birthday party for ourselves uh, coming up on the 29th. So uh, with uh, entertainment provided by Daddio and Blues Alley, two local bands that are just phenomenal, uh, playing music of the 50s with Daddio and some great blues music with Blues Alley and some other special guests uh, maybe with them in attendance as well. So we're trying to pull this all together. Uh, it'll be a $5 cover charge just to cover the cost of renting the hall and, and having the band come and perform. And then anything that we make over that, uh, we've decided amongst ourselves, even though you know we, we need money, we all need money, the show needs money. And if you want to make a donation uh, for our website or for our podcasting to help us keep it going, you can do so on SpookySouthCoast.com. There's a donate button right there. And just as with that, anything that goes beyond the cost of what we need to operate for the year uh, and anything that we make at this party that goes over the cost of, of putting it on, we're going to donate to charity. And any money, we've discuss- dis- been discussing this amongst ourselves uh, for a while now, and uh, we decided that any money that we can make from this party beyond the expenses needed to put it on, 
we're going to donate to the Red Cross and the, the relief effort in Haiti. I think it's probably the most pressing need right now, and, and I think uh, you know we could certainly get some people out there to help raise awareness and help raise funds. And you know, if we're having a good time and, and we want to show some love for fellow man, you know, it's not a bad way to do it. I agree. And we're just we're just happy we're still on the air after all these years. Thank you all for making sure that we do so. And then also coming up uh, after that, the week after that, January 30th, our guest is going to be Alexandra Bruce, who's going to talk to us about 2012, science or superstition. We're going to talk about whether or not this whole 2012 thing is a reality. If we have something to worry about, the uh, Jesse Ventura Show covered that this past week. And we'll get into all that coming up on the 30th with Alexandra Bruce. And then coming up on February 6th, the show that I'm very excited about, we're going to have Jonas Goda, who wrote the book The Lennon Prophecy, and we're going to discuss whether or not John Lennon actually entered into a bargain and he sold his soul to the devil in order to make the Beatles as popular as they were. He's written the book The Lennon Prophecy, laying out a lot of the clues that uh, indicate that this was the case in the Beatles and John Lennon's music. So full slate of shows coming up. Just stay tuned with SpookySouthCoast.com or twitter.com slash spookysc to keep up with the updates. But now let's get back into the discussion about UFO disclosure with Steve Bassett of the Paradigm Research Group. And Steve, before, you know, when we, we were talking in the um, in the first half hour, you had mentioned that there are some factors that would maybe lead to President Obama being the disclosure president in 2010. I can tell you uh, one of the things that I think might be the reason why is because is if his approval gets so low and, and his... Uh, just as standings in people's minds get so low with all these other issues that are happening, it's safe to say that if you can be the president that allows for UFO disclosure, people might trust you a little bit more than they might have the other presidents. Well, look, uh, one way to look at it would be this. Um, the uh, If a president is having an approval rating problem, if, if the administration is not going well, disclosure could easily turn it around. It's a major event, huge and so that is a factor in the administration going along with it. But uh, your listeners need to understand that, and this has been the case for some time, the president can't uh, do disclosure. Mm-hmm. I mean, technically, the president can, but it would be very risky. In other words, the president can't reach down into the secret empire and grab the, the information and and uh, force them to uh, to come forward and then tell tell the American people. He can't do it. Uh, people like to think the president is all-powerful. Not so. The executive branch doesn't have an army, uh, and so the presidents have been generally powerless to act on this issue. They could, but without the cooperation of the military intelligence world down there, it could get really well, strange and go very badly. Bill Clinton tried, didn't he? He considered it. He made some maneuvers uh, during the Rockefeller Initiative he thought about it, but they quickly brought the hammer down on him. I mean, they, they came after him with everything, and the guard dogs. So it's just that. So what happens? And the reason why Obama will disclose your president is not because he comes in with a, either a burning desire to do it or the ability to do it, but rather uh, he will be the last person uh, with a seat when the music stops. Disclosure will be a, will be initiated by the military intelligence community from down deep. They will make the decision it's time to go forward. We think they already want to do that. The Democrats, I believe, want to disclose. I mean, they they would they want to do it, which is to which is to say, if they can get the agreement with the military intelligence community, they would go ahead. Mm-hmm. So, but I can assure you, the military intelligence community is not concerned about whether Obama's ratings are particularly up or down. 
uh, and they're not they're not going to do it to help the president's uh, approval rating. They'll do it because they believe it's time to get it done, and because the pressure on the U.S. is, is growing, and because other nations are stepping in. So that's the proper way to look at it. Uh, but it would definitely alter the course of the administration in uh, profound ways and probably dramatically improve his approval rating, particularly because if he gets it done soon enough, and that's the big question here, uh, it, 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 it fully reinforces and confirms his, his fundamental, uh, one of his fundamental platforms of being uh, of open transparency, which they've been acting on in the background. They've been doing plenty of, of, of things there that the news are not covering. They're not being as open and transparent as people want, but they are taking measures with considerable impact on open and tran- openness and transparency. The most recent was uh, in December. They announced on the website that they that he had signed a, a, direct, a presidential directive, uh, presidential order, creating uh, the National Declassification Center, which will be part become part of the National Archives. And this is a non-trivial matter. He'd already passed, signed a memorandum calling for the reform of the Freedom of Information Act. And so um, this National Information Declassification Center uh, falls in that category, and uh, it has some important aspects. Um, for the first time, it establishes the principle that no records may remain classified indefinitely, and provides enforceable deadlines for declassification of information exempted from automatic declassification at 25 years. A great deal of UFO material clearly falls under that that uh, uh, time frame. Uh, it also, for the first time, requires agencies to conduct fundamental classification guidance reviews to ensure the classification guides are up to date. And it eliminates the intelligence community veto of, a, of certain decisions by interagency security classification appeals. This, what is going on, I believe, is that behind the tumult, the tumult of the administration's bad first year, and following along with the uh, the fundamental agenda of open transparency, which is fully supported by George Soros, who's the number one backer of the Democratic Party, and the number one backer of John Podesta's uh, Center for American Progress, and of course it was Podesta that called for the release of UFO files in 2002-2003, and it was Bill Richardson, a major player in the party, who called for the release of all the, the Roswell documents, related documents in 2004, all of this fits nicely into the game plan that they had. Uh, and so what they're doing by these reforms and directives is they're setting the stage, they're creating the disclosure uh, disclosure mechanisms for the post-disclosure um, period, meaning that once the government acknowledges the ET presence, uh, that, that, that doesn't follow that then all, everything just gets put out on the table. They just open up all the vaults and end up the documents. No. that in, People will then want to know a lot of information about it, and they've got to bring that information out or to the extent that they want to. But in order to do that, they have to have the mechanisms, because this stuff is all handled in a legal way under the law. They just don't send a couple of interns over and grab a bunch of boxes and, and put them out in the White House lawn. And so by passing these directives, he's setting the stage for this information flow post-disclosure. So I see, I still see the disclosure process manifesting itself in the administration. It, you just have to look harder to notice this, and you have to know some stuff. Uh, but on the surface, it kind of looks like they're all wrapped up. It kind of looks like they're acting kind of like the Bush administration, a little too secretive, not enough openness. But it's not that simple. So I'm still seeing uh, disclosure as a very real possibility in 2010. Well, you mentioned uh, earlier that uh, 
the Paradigm Research Group and, and your political action committee as well, you've kind of reached a standoff with this million facts in Washington now because you've done, you know, your part to let the White House know and the White House press corps know that the people want disclosure. But now where can you go from here? Oh, we, we know we're going to go from here. This is standoff in this way. We we have we have run the whole program exactly where we want it to go. Mm-hmm. All of the preliminary work, the expansion of exopolitics, bringing the the ETUFO issue into the actual presidential campaigns, getting it in the press, getting it in the debates, uh, and then we we we, we dumped a bunch of letters into the White House. Now we are fixed and will remain fixed on one target: the White House Correspondents Association, representing the White House press corps, which are the reporters that sit in the briefing room every day, Monday through Friday with the ability to ask questions of Robert Gibbs. And the reason it's a standoff is because, you know, unless Robert Gibbs goes into the witness protection program and changes his name, unless the White House Correspondents Association moves and doesn't leave a forwarding address, we've got them, and we're just going to keep pounding them with letters, faxes, and emails. Mm-hmm. I, I sent out a press re- international press release to 5,000 radio and television stations and newspapers just back on the 8th, and I'm, I've booked 30 interviews uh, to, to promote this. Uh, I'm in the middle of these interviews now. I'll probably end up doing more, maybe 50 or 60, uh, so that we're going to keep raining the letters back down on There's nowhere for them to go. And so the standoff is that they can't acknowledge this because the, the truth embargo is so vulnerable and because at any time two or three reporters could simply dig in their heels, stand up and say, look, What's what's the deal with Hillary Clinton and the Rockefeller Initiative? Why hasn't she talked about the fact she was involved in that? Why hasn't her husband spoken to it? What was going on back there? Because when you go to factsonwashington.org, you actually see the questions that we, we suggest that need to be asked by the political press, but you also see the, 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 the Internet links to all the supporting confirmatory material that supports them, including, you know, uh, 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 photographs and FOIA documents, the whole nine yards. So any, any reporter with half a brain could easily figure out these not, the questions are not only important, but they're fully legitimate. And so they know that if they acknowledge that they're even getting this correspondence, the first questions to them will be, well, let's see it. Well, that's a problem for them because, as it happens, we, we, we have put, you know, several hundred examples of this correspondence up at the factsonwashington.org website, so any reporter can go and see it right now if they want to. And so what's happened is when Robert Gibbs was asked about this correspondence on C-SPAN Morning Show a couple months ago, he wouldn't even answer the question. And when reporters have been contacting the White House Correspondents Association asking about it, including Billy Cox of the Sarasota Herald Tribune, uh, you know, a long-time you know, mainstream working reporter, they won't return his calls, won't return his emails. And so it's a standoff. They can't acknowledge the presence, but yet they can't stop us from sending stuff. And so we're really close. But what we need is we need another 10, 20, 30, 40, 50,000 people to send a fax, a letter, and an email, all three, to the White House Correspondents Association. It means they, got, they need to, got to go to factsonwashington.org. they got to do a little reading, take about 10 minutes, put a couple paragraphs together, and fire that stuff off. If they will, I think we can break through the line here. But if they don't, then maybe we'll end up you know, uh, and on hold for a while. I mean, it, how many people out there really want this to end? How many people want to keep going on in this ridiculous situation where these ETs are all over the place, they're interacting with humans by untold thousands, abducting people, maybe just communicating with people, having a party, whatever. Uh, they're flying in our airspace. How many people want that status quo to continue? I mean, you really want that? How many people would like to really know whether they're here? How many people would like to know what the ET technology uh, we have can do? 
and how much more could be done with it if it was if it is in the public domain. How many people would like to maybe have a chance to go to the stars? How many people would like to actually get involved with something else other than endless bad news about war, pestilence, famine, earthquakes, bad politics? I mean, I think there's got to be a lot of people out there that are fed up with just the, the, the way things are now and would like to move on. If you are fed up, then do something for for uh, crying out loud. Uh, go to Facts on Washington and send a letter, facts, and email. We've got them pinned down. We've got them in a corner. There's nowhere for them to go. Uh, now, let me give you an example of how cool all of this is. Um, it, the, it, it, the, the leading research in the world on the Rockefeller Initiative and U.S. presidents and UFOs is Grant Cameron, mm-hmm. uh, the Canadian researcher. And his website is presidentialufo.com. Been on this show a few times as well? Sure. Yeah. You go there, you can read it all. And then if you go to, but if you go to paradigmresearchgroup.org and then go to the, the Rockefeller Initiative and the Quick Links, you will also see a very carefully laid out page there that's got the, you know 173 of the most important documents, including the ones that confirm Hillary Clinton was involved in. It's also got photos that we got through FOIA. Grant got through FOIA. Or, no, he got through from the presidential uh, library, the Clinton library. And a number of these photos uh, confirm what we already knew, that Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton w- were at the Rockefeller Ranch in 1995. Um, and uh, we were certain that they had talked to Rockefeller about the UFO issue at that time because the Rockefeller Initiative was going on, right, precisely during that period, 93 to 96. And there was a photo there where she's walking with Rockefeller through the woods, and she has a book in her arm, and it's upside down. And you can only see part of it. But everyone was very interested to know what that book was. Well, it wasn't easy. There were a lot of books. But lo and behold, after two and a half years... Since that photo was released and put on the net, a researcher whose name I have not yet uh, uh, come across uh, has found out what that book is, all right? And the book she has on the arm as she's walking along with Rockefeller is called Are We Alone? It's by the astrophysicist Paul Davies, and the subtitle is Philosophical um, philosophical deliberations on the the implications of extraterrestrial life. So this just confirms, of course, what we already know, that they were up there talking about the ET issue. She has never spoken publicly about it. Neither has any member of the White House that was fully aware of it, including John Podesta, Leon Panetta, Bill Clinton, Bill Richardson hasn't talked about it. He knows about it. They've never talked about it publicly and never been asked a single question about an effort by a billionaire friend of theirs to end the truth embargo and spend almost three years engaging their office in science and technology policy. Now, we all know the kind of stuff that the press asks about with respect to politicians. You go have an affair with a, your mistress in Argentina, that's four billion words. That's uh, five weeks of running news cycle. That's thousands and thousands of, of articles and, and countless interviews and hundreds of hours of CNBC and NBC ad infinitum. Mm-hmm. But if you are involved in an effort by a billionaire to end the truth embargo regarding the extraterrestrial presence, that's zero news. No question to ask about it of the principles for 17 years. This is why the press has failed us. 
this is why we have to have the facts on Washington. This is why the motto for the facts on Washington is our republic and its press will stand or fall together by Joseph Pulitzer. They have failed us. They failed us on the Iraq War. They failed us on the Gulf of Tonkin Resolution. They failed us on the on the savings and loan scandal. They failed us on the White House derivative scandal. They're failing us again. And they have failed us for 62 years on the UFO ET truth embargo. And it's time for them to stand up in front of the government and ask these questions. And they are scared and they are frightened and they need the American people to tell them it's okay. We have your back. So if we get off our butts and write these letters and in faxes and emails to the White House Correspondents Association, some of those reporters are going to do that, and they're going to win Pulitzer Prizes, and this silly-ass truth embargo that's now 62 years old will end. And all the information is right there, as you mentioned, on factsonwashington.org to send those emails, faxes, and letters. Uh, and if you are not sure where you stand on this issue, if you're somebody who, who thinks that it's it's possible that UFOs exist, that there are extraterrestrials visiting this planet, you're not exactly sure. It doesn't matter what you believe. The The fact is you need to desire the government to let you know one way or another what they have. And just spend some time on, on facts on Washington.org, and it'll change your mind because there'll be enough information there to show you that it is a real concern and that it does need to be addressed. Yeah, if you're not a dyed-in-the-wool skeptic, I mean, just absolutely committed. Some, like people that you know that, that are committed, they, they just don't want to believe the world is round. They think it's flat, and nothing mm-hmm. is going to change your mind. Unless you're one of those people, if you go spend some time on the Paradigm Research Group website, just read the quotes, read the news articles, go to presidentialufo.com, and in about three, four hours, you realize, ah, yeah, it's all real. <laughs> ETs are here. The government knows about it. The government's embargoed it. I mean, it, it's that you know, it's not that big a deal, in a way. But you have to you have to make the effort. All right. And the evidence is all around us. It's it's now almost kind of accepted in the popular world. But the government can't accept it. At least it can't accept taking the action on it. So this is the kind of stuff that's going on. There's other developments happening. Uh, I want to mention that a very important operation out of Phoenix is growing rapidly, and it's in the process of creating a multi-platform media engagement of the UFOET issue. And I'm referring to Open Minds Production. You can you can catch it at Open Minds. TV, and they are launching a television show, a radio show, a print magazine of very high quality, which will hit the newsstands in a few weeks, a online publication, and a website all at the same time. Uh, in addition, they just recently bought the uh, the International UFO Congress annual conference, often called the Laughlin Conference. They now purchased that. They will move it to Phoenix in 2011. Um, they're generating a lot of heat uh, and putting money into this issue. So openminds.tv, this is a happening thing. Uh, so I, I, I draw people's attention to that. Uh, there is another television show in the works, uh, which uh, hopefully is going to find a home very soon. It's called, uh, um, uh, Lord, I've, I've, it slipped my mind. It's, con- it's called, I believe it's called Contact. First Contact. Um, you, you know about what I'm talking about, right? First Contact TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our friend Lucky is on it. Yeah, and it's part of the new uh, genre of HD uh, uh, stuff that can be put online. But, of course, I think you also want a traditional venue as well. That's in the works. Look for something happening there. Also, Gary Swartz at the University of Arizona, they just announced that the university itself is going to do a broad-based uh, study on uh, contact. 
on on people that are having contact with non-physical, non-human beings, which will include certainly uh, the uh, uh, ET contact phenomena. It's the first time any universities ever formally engaged the issue. It is essentially the follow-up to John Mack. And Gary Schwartz is a major player. He's no uh, lightweight, and and uh, I think this is important. And and and, and University of Arizona is is deserving great praise for this. They're going to be greatly rewarded, and of course they will finally put the stake into the heart of Harvard, uh, which has completely and utterly made an absolute ass of itself over this issue. The university has disgraced itself. It's one of the black, blackest marks on Harvard's history, and whether they know that or not, they will know soon enough. Uh, so these are some of the things that are going on. Uh, one other thing, uh, Paradigm Research Group was able to get some money from Europe as a result of its recent European tour, and along with some new support from its supporters in the U.S., has paid off the hotel bills for last year and is, will shortly start paying off the speakers and is about to sign a contract for ex-conference 2010, uh, if, barring any problems, and I don't expect any. The conference will be uh, February uh, 7, 8, 9. Um, uh, it will be held at the National Press Club, the entire conference, with the, net, with the press conference, the PRG press conference, following on the 10th, on the, on the 10th of May. Uh, that happens to be the anniversary of the 2001 Disclosure Project press conference held at the National Press Club in the very room that we will be in, the main ballroom. And uh, this is a significant event. It's the first time any conference has been held there on this genre other than a press conference, and it's two blocks from the White House, four blocks from the Washington Mall, eight blocks from the Capitol, and ten blocks from virtually all the, the, the major media, like CNN, that are in Washington covering the nation's capital. And we're hoping and the, the, the website will go active in about seven, eight days, x-conference.com, and we're hoping we can fill that ballroom. We're hoping that people will come and make a clear statement to the government by being there so that when, when and it's more likely this time, any press or members of congressional staff or even White House staff come over to see that conference, then they walk in that ballroom, they're going to see it packed with people from one end of the balcony to the other. And that's going to make a strong statement, but that means people are going to have to come. So I hope they'll start making some, make some plans for being in Washington May 789, uh, cocktail party Friday night, and then the conference is Saturday and Sunday. And the press conference on Monday, so that that will be announced within about eight days, or before go formal with a press release on eight days or so. Excellent. Well, we wish you luck, and you know we'll do our part to help support it, and we look forward to talking to you more during the course of the year. As hopefully disclosure is imminent, and I, I can just imagine what the first show is going to be like after it does happen. You know, Steve will be calling you right away. Of course, 2010 could very well be the year. Uh, I like the sound of it. I like the way it falls off the tongue. So let's let 2010 be the year, and let's get on with other things besides war, pestilence and stupid policies. Let's go to the stars, huh? Absolutely, but they got to right. write those letters to make it happen. Factsonwashington.org is the website to find out how to make that happen. Steve, we thank you very much. We'll talk to you real soon. My pleasure. All right, take care. Bye. Bye-bye. And that'll do it for this episode of Spooky South Coast. We'll be back next Saturday night for a full two-hour program in our usual time slot, 10 p.m. to midnight. If you want to check out some past episodes of the show, just go to SpookySouthCoast.com. We'll have, we have all the archives up there. Matt, are we totally up to date? I know we were still waiting on the last one. Yep, we're all set. Totally up to date. So every show we've ever done is there for you to check out, download, listen to at your leisure. You can either listen to it on the website or download it to your computer or MP3 device. And there's all kinds of other good links up there to other sites and other friends of ours. And you can learn more about the paranormal. If it's something that you're into or something that you're not sure about, allow SpookySouthCoast.com to be your portal into finding out more. So 
Until next Saturday night, for Matt Moniz, for Matt Costa, I'm Tim Weisberg, and we want you all to stay spooktacular. Rest assured, listener, that my time here has not been easy, and what you have just heard was not fiction. Although, in many a desperate moment, I most certainly wish it had been. It's over for now, it seems. Or at least... Until yesterday begins again. Tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. Look, I know the supernaturalist.